Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the Salvation Army Red Kettle Campaign, Minnesota Tree Growers Ready for the Holiday, and Gopher Wide Receiver Chris Ottman-Bell. But first... Major legal developments this week in the George Floyd murder case. Ex-officer Derek Chauvin changes his plea to guilty on federal civil rights charges the same week as ongoing trial of former officer Kimberly Potter accused of manslaughter in the shooting death of Dante Wright. Eminem's Bill Werner talked with Hamlin University legal expert David Schultz about legal strategies in both cases. What does he really gain? Because if he... If he appeals, and let's say that, in fact, his criminal conviction in state court is overturned, um, he's still facing a federal sentence and federal prison time regardless. So what does he gain by doing this? What he gains is possibly not going to jail or the prison for the rest of his life, because if he were to go for trial and get convicted under federal charges, it carries a penalty of up to life in prison. And I think what Derek Chauvin and his attorneys are probably hoping for uh, are a couple of things. One is the fact that he pleaded at this point. He's not going to get life in prison, which means potentially um, he, he gets to walk out at some point while he's still alive. The second is perhaps maybe, we don't know, maybe he's also doing a deal where he's going to agree at some point to testify against the remaining officers, and maybe that factors into some type of um, decisions for maybe a little bit earlier parole on the the state charges. Um, But it is perplexing in some way because even if his his conviction um, at the state level is overturned, his plea um, at the for the federal charges and his agreement to say he's not going to be able to appeal that um, um, suggests that what he, you know he still might face 20 years in prison. So I think I think he's making a a gamble at this point, a gamble that says that he was facing probable conviction at the federal level and would rather um, go with 20 to 25 years than never seeing daylight again. Derek Chauvin is choosing, it sounds like, the lesser of two evils here and making a gamble that maybe he'll get a little bit of a break. Yeah, I think he's gambling at this point. He's really, he's really operating with a level of, of, of limited knowledge and making a series of guesses about what could possibly happen. And I think for him, the most important thing probably at this point is he does not want to spend the rest of his life um, in prison. And there's a possibility um, that he still gets out of prison um, while he's in his 60s. Let's move over to Kimberly Potter and the... Um manslaughter trial in the shooting of Dante Wright. The real issue here is one of a mistake, right? Whether, in fact, uh, an honest mistake was made, and then to what level of culpability is there in terms of what level of manslaughter. Is that correct? Yeah, and let me sort of explain here is that um, our criminal law um, looks at how people do bad things in terms of what's called mens rea or the intent. And most of us, we understand something like first-degree murder, where somebody intends to kill somebody. But we can still be held liable for our actions even if we don't intend, even if we don't premeditate. This is sort of levels of culpability, which then translates over into things such as what? 
first-degree murder or second-degree murder, or in the case of um, um, former Officer Potter, in terms of, of, of manslaughter. Now, I want, and, I want to just, if I, if I may, ask you about the rationale for that. Is the reason why, even if there is not intent to do harm, that there is still a penalty because harm has been done? Is, is that kind of why the legal system looks at it that way, why the law has evolved that way? Yes, it does, and that's exactly the reason. And also what the law is going to say is that even if you didn't intend to do something, could you have been so negligent, could you have been um, so careless in your actions um, in terms of what you did um, that we're going to hold you responsible and say you should, you should have known better? Let's bring this back to Kimberly Potter's situation, okay? because the defense contends that she was intending to use the taser and, and pulled her weapon, her firearm, from the holster instead. If, in fact, it is, it is shown that she is not, uh, that she, she made a mistake and that the jury is convinced that, there's still culpability there at some level on manslaughter as far as charges? Possibly, yes. And the question becomes here now under especially the second degree manslaughter is that a defense that you can make here is to say that uh, that when you made the mistake, it is something um, that was made uh, that would have been made by any reasonable person. um, And that when you did what you did, you acted as a reasonable person. Well, here, what the standard is going to be is that when she pulled out the gun um, um, instead of the taser and, and, and killed Dante Wright, did she act in a way that a reasonable police officer would have acted? Um, by that, um, could this have been a just a normal, quote, honest mistake that any police officer would have would have committed? And that is why so much of what the prosecution was trying to do during the trial was to say that, no, this is not what a reasonable police officer would have done. Um, that with all the training they go through, with the difference in what tasers feel like versus what guns feel like, that there's no way this was a reasonable, honest mistake. Um, and instead, she acted, in this case here, for second-degree manslaughter, with culpable or gross negligence. Let's compare this to another high-profile case and compare and contrast it. Alec Baldwin, the actor, handed a gun on the set, uh, claims that he thought that it was not loaded, it turned out to be loaded, and someone gets killed. It's, it's similar in some ways, but it's different in some ways. It is, because even if he, he um, did pull the trigger, and we're assuming he did, um, and he fired and he killed somebody, um, yes, he, he might have made an honest mistake. He might have made a mistake in the situation here. But now the question still comes back is that, yes, he didn't intend to kill anybody, but did he also act, and this is under New Mexico law here. Right. We're going to look at it here. Um, did he act in a way that produced um, um, an unlawful death um, um, without exercising due caution and circumspection. Okay, so due due caution and circumspection are the key terms there in that law. Key terms in New Mexico. So the question becomes, for for, for their manslaughter statute, so the question is, I think, if he were to be charged, um, um, should he, when he was handed that gun, should he have double-checked to be sure, um, or triple-checked to be sure, that it wasn't live ammo or that it wasn't loaded, et cetera, et cetera? Different states, different laws, but a similar principle. Uh, Professor, thanks. thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. 
Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota Electric Co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Salvation Army's Red Kettle campaign has been raising money for people in need for years, but this year a shortage of bell ringers is leaving thousands of hours unfilled. Tasha Radel has more. The Salvation Army is in need of bell ringers across the state as we head into the final days of the Red Kettle campaign. Joining me today is Dan Furry with the Salvation Army of Minnesota. So Dan, let's get an update on the Red Kettle campaign. Well, thanks Thanks for asking. Um, it's progressing. We we are down in the number of bell ringers that we have, and and I think it's safe to say that when there isn't a bell ringer at a kettle, uh, it doesn't it doesn't collect any donations. So uh, there's a direct correlation between the number of, of bell ringers and and what we take in at the red kettle. Our goal in the Twin Cities um, is uh, 2.1 million dollars. Uh, we're we're roughly halfway there. Uh, so we have uh, a ways to go in the last uh, 11 days that are still um, available before Christmas. Um, and we can always use uh, more bell ringers. Uh, it's a safe way to volunteer. Uh, it's completely contactless. And it's also fun. Um, you know, most people will, will ring with a friend or a family member or kids and use it as an example on, on uh, how to help others who are less fortunate. Um, and, and people could sign up at SalvationArmyNorth.org and sign up for a two-hour shift and, and raise, uh, on average, about $60 during that time. Dan, do you feel the shortage of bell ringers is due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic? I absolutely do. Um, we, we did see an uptick over last year. Last year was kind of at the peak of the pandemic, but we are we're still down from pre-pandemic numbers. So... Uh, we absolutely think that is what's what's causing it. There's also other pressures on the kettle too. Uh, there's fewer people out shopping in stores. Um, uh, you know, less people are, are carrying cash. And I think it's important to point out that at every kettle, uh, there's an option to give uh, uh, digitally or electronically. You can pay uh, via Apple Pay, Google Pay, Venmo, PayPal scan a QR code. Uh, so so people who may in, in the past said, you know, I love to give, I don't have any cash. Now they, they have uh, lots of options to be able to make a gift right at the kettle. I know when the pandemic hit, you folks were serving a record number of Minnesota families. Has the demand for services leveled off or are we still seeing high rates? The numbers of, of uh, requests for services has Really, it literally skyrocketed since the pandemic started 18, 20 months ago. Um, and 
and it's not really um, relaxed me. Uh, it's kind of morphed a little bit, uh, whereas last year a lot of it was uh, in for food requests. Um, now it's it's uh, there's still food requests, but there's also added to that requests for emergency assistance like rent and and utilities. Uh, PolicyLink.org is reporting that 60,000 Minnesota families are are still behind on their rent. And so with with uh, uh, eviction moratoriums coming to an end, we think there's going to be some people who, who might really be struggling, uh, you know, when they don't have that protection in place. So, um, and, and I think it's also important to note that gifts uh, at this time of year, particularly in the Red Kettle or online, they help fund programs all year round. Dan, I also think it's important to note that all the dollars raised at the Red Kettles stay in those local communities. It absolutely is. If you're in Brainerd and you put money in a Red Kettle, it stays in that area. If you're in Fergus Falls and you put money in a kettle there, it stays in that area. Even if you give online, depending on what your zip code is, that's where the money goes. So you're not giving to a large national organization when you give online you are giving to your local Salvation Army. In addition to all the great services you provide, you folks also deploy to communities that have suffered a natural disaster. Yeah, and, and that's um, it's very appropriate right now um, with the tornadoes uh, that have struck in the, the middle of the country. Um, there are Salvation Army uh, response units on the ground in Illinois, in Kentucky, in Tennessee, in Missouri. Um, they they are responding from the the uh, service centers in that area. Uh, they're providing food and hydration to victims, to, to first responders, and and once uh, you know food, hydration, uh, shelter is is addressed, then we start working with them on you know what resources are available that can help them rebuild their life. So thank you for asking about that. Our, our emergency disaster services are a big part of what we do. Well, Dan, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Tasha. Thank you. And, and thanks for helping educate people. I appreciate it. And Merry Christmas to you. To make a donation to the Salvation Army or to sign up to Bell Ring at a Red Kettle, head to SalvationArmyNorth.org. Again, that's SalvationArmyNorth.org. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. We're less than a week away from Christmas, the home stretch for Christmas tree growers around the state. MN's J.W. Cox spoke with one grower about the industry in Minnesota. Scott, for Mark Hansen, operator of Hansen's Tree Farm in Ramsey, there is clearly a lot of pride in being in the fraternity of Christmas tree farmers here in Minnesota, a unique and impactful group. It was one of the first states where, in the Midwest where the industry evolved. Much of the production is by small part-time growers uh, who do it uh, as a part of their life, but not their whole business, I would say. Um, we're supplying something that's uh, unique uh, to the customer and it gives us a big, uh, a big thrill. <laughs> as much a, it's as much a craft as a production. Like any agriculture, you're, you're growing something that the customer wants and appreciates. 
Hansen says Minnesota naturally has a lot to offer that gives it a further unique place in the Christmas tree industry. Our state tree, the Norway pine, that a lot of people like. It's become less and less popular in the last few years as we move. People are wanting more fur, the traditional uh, shorter needles, good smelling, and that, again, our native balsam fur grows well here. We're doing some unique things with looking at other furs uh, that we are growing in Minnesota that come from other parts of the country, like Fraser fur and Canaan fur. There's been a lot of work done in bringing in some of the uh, furs from Europe and Asia, Korean fur, Turkish fur. We're beginning to grow those and or crossbreeds of them with our native species. Hansen says they, as an industry, have had to reassess how they operate over the last two seasons. There's always changes, and of course COVID has made big changes in trying to uh, make it a safer experience and uh, so a lot of people have had to alter their where they people can pay and things like that other activities like hay rides and things that gather people closer in contact despite some changes Hansen says they're still confident in the stability of the industry moving forward people are very active, uh, wanting to get out and do things uh, outside. So buying and cutting a tree is as much a activity as it is a purchase, put it that way. Um, so the farms had last year and this year a lot of activity. One thing probably adding to that is people are traveling less for Christmas, so they're staying home and possibly more likely to put up a real tree um, or want to do more decorating around their house because they're not traveling. Um, Last year we saw on our farm 40 to 50 percent increase in customers coming to the farm over previous years. That kind of has a negative effect in that, you know, we might not have as many trees available this year. They take 10 years to grow, and we're always planning 10 years ahead. I mean, nationwide, there's a been a lot of sales last year, which depleted this year's supply and anticipated demand. So uh, suppliers are having a hard time meeting their, their demand. Uh, I, I'm anticipating the demand is going to be up. Hansen says he is proud of how his fellow growers work beyond just their farms to help people during the holiday season, including through yearly participation in the Nationwide Trees for Troops program. It's a national program by the National Christmas Tree Association where we have members uh, gather or donate trees that uh, end up going to uh, servicemen and women and their families. Uh, in appreciation of their service. Uh, In Minnesota, we gather uh, about 150 to 200 trees each year and uh, contribute to that. Um, It's one thing that tree farmers can do uh, to show our appreciation to those that need them. From the practical side, as the centerpiece of that Christmas decor reaches the stretch drive, 
Hansen says be mindful of maintenance and placement to make sure that tree greets Christmas morning full and bright. Most important, keep it watered and put it up away from like a heat register or things like that. But don't let it dry up because once it dries up, it tends to seal off the um, vessels that soak up the water and then it won't soak up water. But uh, a good, healthy tree should last uh, through Christmas with very little needle drop or anything like that as long as you keep it watered. With the tree taken care of, all that's left is to get it well stocked below. Scott, clear some space. Your gift is in the mail. What's it shaped like, Alvin? Back to you. I'll be checking the mailbox every day for that, JW. Thank you. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Did you know that more lives are lost to lung cancer each year than breast, colorectal, and prostate cancers combined? Lung cancer will claim more than 135,000 lives this year. But new treatments have improved survival for many with the disease and offer new hope for many more. So does lung cancer screening with low-dose chest CT. The American Cancer Society and most major professional organizations recommend that adults ages 55 and older with a long history of smoking, even if they have quit, should talk with their doctor to learn more about lung cancer screening. Lung cancer screening saves lives by detecting lung cancer early when it's more successfully treated. So, ask your doctor if lung cancer screening is right for you. And if you smoke, ask your doctor to help you quit. Visit the National Lung Cancer Roundtable website at nlcrt.org. That's nlcrt.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The top receiver for the Golden Gopher football team announced late last week that he would return to the program to compete for another season next year. Chris Ottman-Bell will play in his fifth Gopher season in 2022. The Illinois native redshirted in 2017 and has played every year since. He has 113 career receptions for 1,740 yards and 12 touchdowns. Eminem Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with him about the decision to return for a sixth year in maroon and gold. It was hard to decide at first, but I think I made the best decision for my future. And you know what I'm saying? I think coming back for another year to play with my teammates as well and better myself and had another chance to prove to myself in the world that I can be the best out. So um, it, was, it was an awesome decision to make. Uh, I talked to Fleck, I talked to Simon, my family, and we all decided it was probably the best decision to do, so I'm excited to be back. Yeah, and you have been, you know, part of this program now. This will be your sixth year when you look ahead to next year, and you've made some, obviously, lifelong friends. I know Tanner's coming back as well. Um, How much did that uh, play a role as well? Because you guys have kind of been tied at the hip here when you think back to uh, both committed to Western Michigan and then uh, deciding to both come here, and you've been here really about almost to the calendar day the same amount of time. Yeah, um, yeah, it's awesome. I think uh, Mo's Mo coming back and Terry coming back kind of played a role in it. You know, I still decided what I thought was the best for me and myself at heart. But you no, know, definitely the two leaders coming back and guys I've been here with since I came here, since this program started, or since this, this new coach has started. Um, I think coming back with those guys would have been cool to you know go on one last ride together. So it played a huge part. And like I said, I'm excited to be back one more at this bowl game. Yeah, you mentioned you consulted with the coaching staff. Uh, who else did you talk to? I suppose family members and some other people who might have some some uh, objective uh, thoughts on. Oh yeah, 
I'll, I'll talk to everyone. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll love listening and lending an ear to anyone else who has like, an opinion or advice to, you know, just give, give to me, I guess. So I'll talk to family members, coaches, training staff, uh, academics. I'll talk to everyone I could. So uh, hearing opinions and just getting their advice from certain things is awesome to hear. So, you know, that everyone played a part in me coming back. How good do you think this team can be next fall? Uh, we can be as good as we want to be. You know, everything depends on us, you know, how hard we work. Um, on and off the field things, you know, there's certain things like that. It's always a little things, a little detail. So I believe this team can be something special every year, and I know next year we can definitely be special for sure, especially with a bunch of leaders coming back as well. I know you have the bowl game. I'll ask you about that here in a minute, but I want to ask you too as you look ahead to next year because really that's the big news here is that you're coming back. What kind of things personally do you want to uh, to work on maybe in the summer and then heading into the spring and eventually uh, to start the year next year, uh, maybe to take your game even to another uh, level up? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I, I talk to Sam all the time. He tells me it's, you can always be better at something always. And uh, I think I can be better at a lot of things. I can always improve me catching. I can always improve raw running, my flexibility-wise, and things like that, being a leader on and off the field as well, too. So Also, uh, there was some news in relation to the coaching staff. Kirk Sharaka, who was your offensive coordinator your first few years here, is back now. He's come back. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I'm happy for him. Uh, it was a great thing, a great, uh, great choice for sure. Uh, we've been talking since he's been back. Uh, great guy. I've known him since 2017, 2016. Really, he literally came and recruited me back in Western as well, too. So me and Rock are kind of close, and I'm happy he's back, man. We can really do this thing. I know he's uh, not going to have uh, much of a role in regard to the game prep for West Virginia. I think there's part of a, a bit of a gentleman's agreement there because that's the school he's coming from uh, as an analyst. But that said, as, as you roll into bowl prep uh, and, and removing that part of it, uh, how excited are you about playing West Virginia in the bowl game at someplace warm later this month? Oh, yeah. Uh, being somewhere warm, that's, that's, that's awesome for sure. I'm glad we don't got to play anywhere cold. But, uh, you know, West Virginia's a great team. I look at every team as a great team. They're great, physical, fast, fly around. Yeah, and the Gopher program overall has won four straight bowl games. You guys have won two. This group of players are the last two you've been in. Um, what do you think the key has been for, for this team as it gets ready for a bowl game to be ready the way it has the past couple of games you've been in in the postseason? Uh, I think the key is just trusting our coaches, you know, believing in them and uh, letting us, you know, get our bodies back right and get our minds ready to play one last game together as a team of as as a team of this year. Um, it's just you know coming together and just still still being locked in, not you know what I'm saying just being all willy nilly here and there. So it's always being locked in, believing in your coaches and them giving us the right plan every day for the bowl prep and. It's taking on the thing every day. It's probably still a little too early to ask you real specifics about that West Virginia defense, but have you been able to sneak a little bit of a peek? And what do you expect oh, yeah, from the sure. what do you expect from the Mountaineers then? Um, I expect them to come out flying around, you know, being an energetic defense for sure. Uh, play a lot of the song, not another man, I don't think. But uh, I'm just excited to play against them. You know, playing is just the next game. You know, playing against our next opponent. Uh, like I said, they're a great football team, offensively and defensively. Uh, defense, they're fly around, they're energetic, they're super fast, and they, they know how to move. So it'll be a great challenge for us to take on a new opponent. Take me back a few weeks. Are you still uh, riding cloud nine on that win over Wisconsin? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, always being a rival is always one of the most exciting things, you know. But uh, since then, I've kind of moved on from the Wisconsin game. You know, I guess we'll see him again next year. But as of right now, I'm kind of focused on West Virginia and this next this next game for our opponents. So, uh, but, I mean, it's always still fun to look back and see all the, the highlights and the moments and the field being rushed and everything. So it was awesome. That's University of Minnesota wide receiver Chris Ottman-Bell with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.